Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, deadites, and friends till the end. It's Michael Ravenswood Rothman. What you're about to hear is a clip from our latest installment of Fortune and Glory, our limited series sidecast exploring the adventures of Indiana Jones ahead of the Dial of Destiny. This past month, the boys answered the call of the crystal as they entered the kingdom of the crystal skull. So how do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash Halloweeniespod. Hope to see you there so we can give you one more adventure. The first idea for King of the Crystal Skull dates back to, technically, February 24th, 1981. The first draft for Back to the Future, which is written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. And in this first draft is where the reportedly the origin of the Doomtown sequence comes from. So this perked my ears because I've, I've always really scoffed at the original idea for Back to the Future and how Bob Gale bypassed their own bomb by avoiding this idea uh, and giving us arguably the one of the greatest endings of all time. The idea was that they were going to have to go to this Doomtown to use the radiation and the, 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 the power there to get them back. And, and then Spielberg... I think believe he stepped in and said, don't do the refrigerator because you're going to have a bunch of kids going in the refrigerator. Yeah. We get the DeLorean. Amazing chain of events because I don't think Back to the Future would be as renowned today if it was just a fucking refrigerator. <laughs> so, And I really like that whirlpool. It's just, it just would be ridiculous. But anyway, so a number of indie sites actually cite this as early draft as having an influence on Indy 4, probably because it is an ambulance joint. And as we learned all season, Nothing really ever stays on the cutting room floor at Lucasfilm and Amblin. So it's possible this was dusted off. I believe Back in Time, which is a really good documentary and book, is the one that's, that, that first popped this up and said that it was where it eventually was you know, pulled back for, for, for King of the Crystal Skull. Anyway. Back in time. Back in time. I wonder what changed his mind thinking, well, we could do the refrigerator thing now. <laughs> like, well, George yeah. Lucas hasn't had a good but, idea in like how many decades now. So. Well, that's keep that in mind too. For so, either way, the idea of the atomic bomb was there from the get go, unfortunately, and ignited with our first writer, Jeb Stewart. So, our first writer, uh, the timeline for him go, starts from se- September 1993 to February 1995. Now, I mentioned The Fugitive earlier, and Stewart was coming right off of that film when Lucas approached him for Indy 4. It was not a bad idea on paper. After all, he was also partly responsible for 1998's Die Hard, which Stephen D'Souza really did most of that stuff there. But anyway, so the chops were there. The script, however, wasn't. You know, here are some of the familiar beats that were in Stewart's drafts. There's Indy stumbles into a fake town on the grounds of an atomic bomb testing facility and hides in a fridge. There's a fight on a rocket sled. There are aliens. There's extrasensory perception. There's Cold War Russians as bad guys. Indy marry, gets married at the end. The CIA are there as helpers and hinderers. There's a double agent. There's a sexy Russian woman. So sounds like sounds like the whole movie. <laughs> it does sound like the whole movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But I read the script back in the aughts ahead of Crystal Skull, and I remember thinking it was a mess, and you know, it was too explicitly alien driven. And the weddings in the beginning and felt very perfunctory. There's all these cameos there, like Salas there. It's it's ridiculous. And the movie or the script ends with short round even driving them off. And I, I just oh god. I imagine the Disney Plus crowd would just like love it now. Oh, but yeah. like I mean, on the plus side, the thing that I would say that's a silver lining is that it did feel a little more adult. Like there are no, no there are no children. There's no sons or any of that stuff. And it was more of a romance between Indy and a new character named Aline, Elaine. Elaine. Uh, not to be confused with the then in vogue Elaine Bennis. 
from Seinfeld. I want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what happened to this one? Uh, Mac, why don't, why don't you take uh, this quote from Lucas this, to close us out on Stuart? Another Lucas. Another Lucas, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, with Jeb Stewart, we did a draft and it uh, kind of worked out. Uh, it had the additional element of Indiana Jones getting married that was going to bring the father into it. Uh, Indy meets this amazing woman who deciphers codes and studies ancient writings. So why didn't it pan out? Uh, well, as <laughs> so that's, my, that's you. <laughs> so basically it didn't pan out because 1993 became 1984. Lucas had more script discussions with Stuart from August, September before leaping to our second screenwriter today, a very familiar face by the name of Jeffrey Bohm. Now Let's hold for applause here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Love Bohm. Love Bohm. So 1995 to March of 1996 uh, is when you're going to start getting Bohm's introductions here. So I should mention that Jeb Stewart's script was called Indiana Jones and the Saucermen from Mars. Such a good title. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> Saucermen from Mars. If you're going to do it, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Movie. Absolutely. If you're going to lean into like the plan line from outer space poster art, like that type of thing, if you're really going to lean into it, that could have been something... Fun. I don't know. I know. Well, Bohm basically does facelifts on this working with Lucas, which is kind of funny because I guess Lucas like tapped Bohm before he even like got rid of Stuart. <laughs> so Damn. kind of a dick move. Um, but, Thanks. you know, not much is out there on these scripts. I really did try to find um, the, the drafts that he had. Uh, and they're really kind of hard to decipher between what is fact and what is fiction because there are a lot of hoax scripts out there that have piled on the years. The two of them are, one of them's called Indiana Jones and the Sons of Darkness. Another one's called Indiana Jones and the Sword of Arthur. I'm pretty sure I read both of these at some point in the 90s. They're both not real. And obviously none of them left a, an, an impression on me. From what I can gather though, between Rinsler, you know, at least looking at Rinsler's books and the notes online, it appeared that Bohm did offer a considerable facelift to Stuart's script as the timeline notes that several incidents happened between them throughout 1995. But what's most intriguing is the anecdote from Rinsler's book that has Bohm confirming both Lucas and Spielberg were on board and they were just waiting for Ford to take a lead. That is until a certain flying saucer movie arrived in the mid nineties. Does anyone want to take a guess? ID4. ID4. ID, one of your favorites, right? This one of your favorite, uh, favorite blockbusters? One of the greatest movies ever all, made. Yeah. Did you walk out of that movie? I can't remember. No, but it was definitely one of the first movies as a kid where I was like not impressed by what I should have been impressed by. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't go to like Toys R Us. The toys are fun. Yeah. I like, I think the, the alien head opens. I was beyond toys at that point. I think it was yeah. 15. This is where Justin and I like shifted weirdly because Justin could see it for what it was. And I was still very much in the like adventurous, just like, yeah. oh, I just like love the adventure of it and all this stuff. And I didn't come around to that movie for years, you know, like I really liked it. Yeah. I was just so into aliens at the time. I was too. I, I actually, I dug the movie just because I love the teaser. The teaser just really got me. And I remember thinking that I wish the Teaser's movie was amazing. more like the teaser because I wanted it to be more of like a 70s thriller. And uh, it wasn't, but I still, I was so in <laughs> on Will Smith and of course, Jeff Goldblum that I was like, all right, I'm in. But in hindsight, it's like one of the most 90s movies of all it time, is. right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Phil, you like Eddie Forrest, though, right? Or you kind I of- loved it. Well, because it, it kind of hijacked our like love affair for X Files and it mm-hmm. just gave us more of an action like flair to our obsession. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I mean, Will Smith, guys, come on. I know. He was pretty great then. This is before the slap, too. So, <laughs> you know, anyway, whether <laughs> wow, or not. Wow, breaking news. This is I know. Before he breaking- punched an alien. <laughs> yeah. 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 He did punch. He only punched an alien. It actually laid the groundwork for the slap. Yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> 